Hi, this is Pastor Tom, and I want to welcome you to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is day one of our look at this chapter. And as we begin our look at 1 Corinthians 10, we're going to be looking a little bit back into the Old Testament. Paul's going to draw on some illustrations from the Old Testament. And as he does that, we're reminded of a very important truth about the New Testament and the Old Testament. In many ways, the New Testament is a book of instruction. It tells us how to live our lives. It's like God sitting down with us and saying, here's what to do in this situation, and here's what to do in this situation. We've just seen it in 1 Corinthians. Here's what to do about marriage, and here's what to do when you have an argument with another believer. The New Testament is a book of instruction, and the Old Testament, in many ways, is a book of illustration. The Old Testament illustrates every principle, every instruction that you find in the New Testament. Every picture that you see in the New Testament has a picture even in the Old Testament, the pictures of Jesus and who he is. And there's some very powerful pictures in 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 to 3. Listen to what the scripture has to say. Paul writes, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Paul writes of the Israelites, and this is the period of time when they had just come out of Egypt. They were coming out of slavery, and they were being led by Moses towards the promised land. And he said these Israelites were connected to God. They were connected in the cloud and in the sea and the spiritual food and the spiritual drink. Now, what is Paul talking about here? What are the pictures that he's giving? They're very clear when you understand what the Corinthians were saying and asking. The Corinthians were saying, we've been baptized into Jesus. We uh, take the Lord's Supper together. And so that means because we've done these things that God must be okay with us and we're okay with God, so anything we do must be okay with God. So what's wrong with that? What's wrong with anything that we do? We're covered, they were sort of saying. And Paul writes and says, now, let's look back in the Old Testament because God has some pictures there for us. And in the Old Testament, in the people of Israel, you have some pictures of what you're facing right now. You have what's called a type or a picture, a a preceding picture of baptism and even of the Lord's Supper and what happened in the people of Israel. Paul writes and says, in a sense, they were baptized into Moses. Now, he's not saying that like we're baptized into Jesus. They were baptized in the name of Moses. He's giving them a picture, and he's saying they went through the cloud. They went through the sea. They had water involved, and Moses was leading them. So if you want to say it, in one way, they were baptized into Moses. The word baptized means immersed in the Greek language. They were immersed in Moses. And Paul says, by the way, just like you say we take the Lord's Supper, they had spiritual food to eat. It was called manna. They had spiritual drink to drink. It was the water that flowed out of the rock, which that was a, that was a picture of Christ, that rock. So if you're covered, they were covered. But, Paul says, we got to learn from them. God was not pleased with them when they felt like we're covered and they just did anything that they wanted. And they faced judgment because of that. They faced harm in their lives and their families' lives. Here's what Paul says in verses 5 and 6. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered over the desert. Now, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Very clearly, Paul says, they knew God. They were involved in the things of God, but they messed up because they thought they could do anything they wanted to. And so they lived for evil. They followed idols. They went the wrong direction. So based on their example, Paul outlines some very simple things for us not to do as believers. 
In verses 7 to 11, here's what he says. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord, as some of them did, and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble, as some of them did, and were killed by a destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. Now, Paul writes in a word of warning to those who are thinking, we can get away with doing whatever we want, and says to them, here's some things not to do. Don't be an idolater. Don't follow other gods, little gods, gods of your own making, gods like materialism or selfishness or fame or pride. Don't be an idolater. He says, don't get caught up in sexual immorality. It's all around you, he says, I know, in the world. Don't get caught up in that. It's not for you as a believer. Don't test the Lord, he says. If you go right to the edge of what God says not to do or to do, and you push it and you test it, you're just going to face suffering in your life, in, in your family's life because of it. And Paul says, don't grumble. You can read in the Old Testament, the people of Israel, as Moses was leading them toward the promised land, were constantly grumbling, saying, oh, we used to have it better in the past. Why are we having to go through this? Always finding a reason to be negative against the thing that God was doing in their lives. We're never going to face a situation of perfection in this world. There's always a reason to grumble, but because we know Christ, grumbling is always without reason. There's always in our lives a reason to not give thanks, but because we know Christ, there are always more reasons to give thanks. And so Paul says, if you think that you can live any way that you want, and it's not going to affect your life, not going to affect your family's life, because you're now a Christian, you're just lying to yourself. Now you think I'd never do that, but we do it all the time. We do it in little ways. We make little deals with ourselves. Uh, we don't say, I'm just going to live any way I want in every situation of our life. We say, no, it's just this one little area of sexual immorality. It's just this one little area of materialism. It's just this one little area of pride. And I'll just allow myself that one. God will understand. God will forgive it. And Paul writes and says, God didn't write these things down because he hates us, because he wants to do evil in our lives. He wrote these things. He warned us of these things because these things are evil. Pride is evil. Sexual immorality is evil. Sex is meant for connection in a marriage, not just for pure pleasure. There is pleasure in it, but it's not meant just for selfish pleasure. Paul writes and says, if you do evil, obviously you're going to suffer for it. Now, if you go back in these verses to verse 4 and what Paul talked about, there's some very powerful pictures that can help you and I in choosing to do good, to follow God. In verse 4, Paul says, they all drank the same spiritual food in verse 3. And then verse 4, they drank the same spiritual drink. They drank from a spiritual rock, and that rock was Christ. That picture of that rock in the wilderness, that rock out of which the water flowed and the people of Israel, all of them, the tens and hundreds of thousands of them drank from the water that came out of that rock. What a miracle. That rock was a picture of Jesus Christ, that living water would pour out of him so that millions of us, billions of us could come to salvation through him. And when you realize that that rock in the wilderness was Christ, there are many life lessons out of that, but I'd like to bring out two of them, two powerful life lessons in this verse. The first is never forget the importance of God's commands. Moses, you might remember, was not allowed to go into the promised land because he didn't follow God's command about the rock. Remember? Moses 
was to bring water out of the rock. And God said the first time to bring water out, Moses, I want you to strike the rock. And Moses did, and water came out. The next time, God said, Moses, I want you to speak to the rock. But Moses was mad. He was angry at the people. And so instead of speaking to the rock, he struck it again. And God said, because you disobeyed me, because you struck that rock a second time, I'm not letting you go into the promised land. And you read this in the book of Exodus, and you think, why would he do this? Why in the world would he not allow him to go into the promised land? But when you get to Corinthians, you realize why. That rock is a picture of Jesus. And Jesus was struck once on the cross, and then we speak to him. He's not struck twice. He didn't have to go through the cross twice. And because this rock was a picture of what was going to happen in Jesus, God's directions to Moses were very specific. Now, Moses didn't understand totally why they were so specific. He just knew it was what God told him to do. And the same is true in my life, in your life. Sometimes the commands of God, you don't totally understand why they're so specific, so detailed. Why couldn't I get away with that, God? So-and-so seemed to get away with that. But God knows. God understands. This is a picture of the importance of God's commands. But it's also even a greater picture, this rock out of which the water flowed, of the fact that Jesus Christ is the one who satisfies your inner thirst. It's not idolatry. Paul said stay away from that. It's not sexual immorality. It's not grumbling when you're not satisfied. That's not what gives satisfaction to that inner thirst. It is Jesus Christ. And the problem with grumbling, the problem with idolatry, the problem with sexual immorality is not just that they are sins, as great as that problem is. It's that they're the sin of turning away from the one who can truly satisfy you, Jesus Christ. Are you thirsty deep down within? Maybe that thirst feels like boredom. Maybe that first thirst feels like a dissatisfaction in your life. Maybe that thirst feels like a deep sense of inadequacy about yourself. Maybe it's just a, a fear in your life. Are you thirsty? You believe in Jesus. And the result is this living water, not just water flowing out, but also water flowing into your life, the living water that Jesus promised, the living water that only he can bring, the satisfaction that he can bring when no one else can bring satisfaction. Let's turn to him for it right now. Jesus, forgive me, forgive us. When we turn to other things besides you to satisfy the deepest needs in our lives. It's not some idol of fame or materialism that we've built. It's not, it's not some way of pleasing ourselves that's going to bring satisfaction. We're tempted to think it is, but it's not. It's you, Jesus. And so right now, however we feel, whatever the struggles, whatever the successes right now, we turn to you. Bring us a deep sense of the living water you've put into us. Today, I want to trust in you, Jesus. In your name, amen.